Well, markets are treading water a bit because all the action happens over the next day or two, but not today, and certainly not yesterday, except for the news that from Wednesday, the Russians are going to turn off the penultimate turbine on the Nord Stream pipeline. Incidentally, if you go to nordstream.com, they talk about reliable gas sources and a secure gas supply. There's a bit of marketing hype that hasn't delivered on its promise, isn't it? But whilst that's all a bit of a worry in Europe, in the US, it's inflation and what the Fed is going to do middle of the week. And plus the earnings, of course, coming out as well. That's all later, though. As I said, treading water till then. It's Tuesday, the 26th of July, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks are mostly down again this morning, although there was a last-minute recovery just before close. So the Nasdaq, which was losing uh, more than 1%, actually closed 0.4% down, 0.2% off for the S&P 500. And the Dow managed to surge above zero growth just before close and finished 0.3% up. European stocks are mixed. The DAX closed down one-third of 1%. The FTSE 100 up 0.4%. The CAC current up a third of 1% at close. Another small fall in the U.S. dollar, a half-percent rise in the pound. The Aussie is up 0.4% to 69.6 US cents. The euro up just 0.1%. The Japanese yen down 0.4%. And bond moves much quieter today, although US 10-year treasuries are up seven basis points. But in Europe, we are seeing yields down, but really just one or two basis points, except in Greece, where they are down 17 basis points there to 3.08%, taking yields back to where they were in late April, having uh, got up to uh, more than 4.7% in the meantime. And oil down yesterday today. It's up today. WTI is up 2.1%. Brent is up 1.8% to 105 a barrel. Gold is falling down a bit uh, today. And Dutch gas futures are up over 12% today. Not far off the peaks that we saw in early July. Uh, We'll talk about why that is. But, you know, there's not much data this morning, but lots to come. Uh, Plus a Fed meeting, of course, middle of the week as well. Let's talk through all of that with NAB's Ray Atrill in Sydney. I mean, we shouldn't be too surprised, should we, uh, Ray, about the Treasury yields being up today around uh, 2.82% middle of the last week. This is uh, US 10-year Treasuries. Middle of last week, it was up over 3%. Middle of June, it got up to around 3.5%. So so we have seen quite a fall from those peaks. No, they are. Morning, Phil. And, um, you know, at the end of last week, you know, down at 275 for the 10-year Treasury, which was the lowest, I think the lowest close since the end of May. And um, had you um, been talking to one of our illustrious rate strategists this morning, um, Ken or Sky, I think they would have told you um, that 275, it, it, they see that as effectively the bottom of a trading range that uh, effectively is 275 to 325, obviously with allowance for, for stretch on both sides. But um, certainly, you know, the, the beginning of the week has seen sort of 275 as a bit of a, maybe a bit of a rally too far in, in recent days. So we have pulled up. Um, as you say, what, six to seven basis points pretty much across the curve, um, you know, which shows up in currencies, you know, in particular in dollar yen, um, you know, which had the big fall last Friday, consistent with lower treasury yields. And uh, it's one of the weaker G10 currencies this morning with that dollar yen back up to um, what sort of 136 and a half or, or closer to 137, fully consistent with the view that um, the dollar yen exchange rate is very much, a, you know, a US treasury versus zero percent uh, Japanese yields for the time yeah. being. Yeah. Look, it's going to be an interesting week, isn't it? Because uh, not only have we got the Fed, we've also got uh, GDP for the US this week as well. So if uh, Q2 is negative, then that is uh, t- the technical definition of a recession, although Janet Yellen 
has been saying, no, we are not in recession, even if the GDP number is negative. Presumably she's saying that because, you know, it's, it's hard to have a recession when the uh, the labour market is so tight. So, I mean, maybe that means these numbers are slightly less important. But, well, I mean, what is the expectation? Are we saying, well, yes, uh, you know, that those GDP, Q2 GDP is going to be a negative read this week? Um, well, if I look at consensus forecasts, they're actually for a small increase. And um, I'm not quite sure when um, the, the great and the good of Washington do get advanced notice of uh, of key releases you know i think it's normally 24 hours before but uh, i wonder if that's when they started no, no, no trading this line no trading takes place on <laughs> <laughs> no trading takes place with the knowledge of that uh, of those numbers so it might be the numbers are out on thursday aren't they yeah so um maybe it's maybe it's a little bit too soon mm. but i think uh, you know certainly officialdom will be braced for that negative print but to your point it's exactly the case that it's very hard to define a recession when uh, the labor market is as excruciatingly tight as it is so if there is going to be a recession um, you know, and, and people like the National Bureau of Economic Research who have the uh, have the job of dating recession cycles. Um, I don't think they'll be calling uh, the first half of this year a recession. Um, but if we do see the unemployment rate heading back up, you know, well above four percent over the course of the next uh, year or year and a half, uh, in large part as a result of, of, of Fed tightening and potentially taking policy into restrictive territory, that I think is when. Uh, you know, the recession call becomes uh, much more uh, much more vivid and likely than what we might uh, get dished up later this week. Yeah, and of course it comes out after the after the Fed anyway, so uh, the Fed won't factor it into their decision, and, and would they anyway? But I mean, it, it's so we're looking at seventy five basis points as the hike now. Is that is that what it is? Is a hundred the idea of a hundred off the table? Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, you know the Fed will you know will deliver what's priced in, and and the only reason they delivered more than was originally priced in was because they chose to tell. Um, you know, tell some media uh, friends that uh, a bigger move was on the table. So uh, anything other than 75, major surprise. From a market point of view, I think everything turns on the extent to which they will give some forward guidance. So I think uh, forward, forward guidance for central banks is so last year, isn't it, after the uh, the error-strewn uh, forecasting of inflation in particular. Uh, but markets are priced for effectively for a 50 basis point follow-up in September and then another 50 basis points or so uh, in the remaining <coughs> excuse me, couple of meetings of the year. So sort of 175 basis points from where we are now, taking policy clearly into restrictive territory, remembering the Fed's kind of best guess um, as to where uh, neutral is, is somewhere around 2.5%. So we're certainly going to get there in the next couple of meetings. And the question is, is how restrictive are we going to get from uh, from there? But uh, we may or may not learn uh, much from Jay Powell following the um, the FMC meeting, which is the early hours of Thursday morning, Australia time. Yeah, so a bit of time before that. Meanwhile, uh, ahead of that, Wednesday, uh, it looks like we're going to see less capacity through that pipeline. So gas futures, as I mentioned in Europe, have risen a fair bit today. So Russia is saying they, they've uh, they've got turbine problems with, their, with the gas pipeline. They've got two working now. They're going to have to turn one of them off. So they will be running at 20% capacity. So they're running about 40% capacity now. They'll be running at 20%. Uh, from from Wednesday. I mean, he may be telling the truth. Of course, he, it may be a technical problem, but you know, it does it does sound like someone who's trying to control those supplies and stopping Europe from building up reserves. Well, someone someone might say they can see um, Vladimir Putin's nose growing from half a world away. But um, what struck mm. me is just before I was retiring, 
Um, last night, the headlines were that, that Russia says it's not interested in cutting off gas to Europe and will ship as much gas as is technically possible via the Nord Stream 1 uh, pipelines. And then 20, 20 minutes later, um, they've confirmed that the capacity will be cut to 20%, which had been forewarned at the end of last week when the um, when the gas flow resumed. But Germany, for one, is saying that uh, there was no technical reason for a reduction in deliveries. So, um, you know, for all the technical and administrative paperwork um, excuses that are being offered up, for this further reduction, um, you know, I, I, for our mind at least, the the, uh, the threat of full blown weaponization of gas supplies later in the year, I think, is, is still very live. But for the time being, at least, that that reduction to twenty percent, I think, was pretty much priced last week. So we haven't seen the euro um, come to any uh, any great harm. It's still holding comfortably above one hundred two against the US dollar, and uh, together with that um, dollar yen move, is why we've got the um, the US dollar. Um, you know, off sort of a quarter percent or so from uh, from where we ended up at the end of last week. But the DAX is down a bit, isn't it? I wonder if it's a combination of that, but also that uh, the IFO read, uh, a bit worse than expected. The the business climate has gone from 92.2 to 88.6. Uh, current conditions have gone from 99.4 to 97.7. And expectations from 85.5 to 80.3. I mean, they all seem like big moves, don't they? No, they do. And interesting that it's the it's the expectations read rather than the the current assessment that has mm. driven the overall <coughs> excuse me business climate index down. Um, so that really says that uh, from the point of view of German industrialists, you know, the real pain, um, you know, from particularly from the threat of reduced gas supplies. Um, and obviously, we've now got the ECB in, in reasonably aggressive tightening mode. Is still the pain still lies ahead in that respect. So we're, we're pretty much corroborating, you know, the messages that we got from uh, from the PMIs last Friday, which showed all of those German readings uh, sub fifty. So technically, an outright contraction territory. But um, you know, certainly, you know, if the economy is already on the cusp of recession at the end of uh, at the end of July, the expectation is that uh, the economy is going to be weaker still uh, in the months ahead. This is all going to be a real challenge for Europe, isn't it? Because we're going to, I mean, they have to get their act together in how they're going to manage this downturn in supplies, in gas. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of countries are saying that, you know, we're taking more sacrifices to, to reduce consumption than other places have to. You know, I mentioned last week, Hungary is trying to do this deal with Russia, which, uh, you know, directly, which will really challenge the resolve of the uh, of the European Union. So uh, how how they come out of this, how the EU comes out of all of this, are they actually able to deliver a cohesive plan to how they deal with a lot less gas going into winter uh, is a big question because there's no evidence of it just yet. Just as, you know, a big question about how they're going to handle the, uh, the the fragmentation issue as they start to lift rates from the ECB. And, I mean, it's not the EU's problem, it's the ECB's problem. But on, on both counts, there's a lot to be sorted out in Europe. No, there is. And uh, for the time being, it seems markets are giving the ECB the benefit of the doubt, despite the lack of uh, mm. you know, granular details of how the TPI, anti-fragmentation tool, will be, uh, you know, will be used. Um, you know, the market is still, you know, traveling with a view that, uh, that they'll do what, what's necessary to prevent excessive sort of spread widening coming through there. But, you know, but to your point, I mean, the, the bottom line is that we've been saying this quite consistently is, you know, the Eurozone economy and Germany in particular cannot function, you know, at the same level of activity if we do see, you know, a, a significant curtailment of gas supplies for all of the measures that are being put in place, including these floating, you know, LNG rigs off the uh, the west coast of Europe, um, um, and and you know, rationing and you know, the, all of these efforts 
to to get a, agree a fifth what is it a blanket um, reduction of fifteen percent in gas consumption, mm. which um, sounds like there is a huge bun fight already uh, emerging there, and the chances of getting agreement on that anytime soon. I have to say, look, um, you know, look challenging to say the least. So um, you know, so I think that you know yeah. that there is you know a genuine fear that uh, there is an energy crunch ahead, um, but markets are not um, you know are still not willing to fully price that, which is why in our forecasts, you know, particularly for for the likes of the euro. Um, you know, we're still saying that, uh, you know, there is more weakness ahead and that, um, you know, on that basis, it's still you know, too early to call a top for the uh, for the US dollar. Yeah. So we talked about the, uh, the, the, the PMIs and how the UK seemed to be doing better than Europe yesterday. But we had the uh, CBI Business Optimism Index, uh, which rose a little on the figure from April, but it's still at minus 21, uh, which doesn't sound too good. The order book growth is slowing. On the positive side, cost pressures are easing, but I mean, they are still very high so uh, it's it's not terrific news there look the other uh, the, the other information of course that's coming out all this week are, are earnings so alphabet microsoft general motors coca-cola visa uh, they're all announcements on on tuesday of course they're still on monday but uh, tuesday u.s time and then on meta on wednesday as well so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays into particularly uh, obviously the equity markets over the next day or two no, absolutely. And uh, I think if I look at the US equity markets, you've got the NASDAQ um, significantly underperforming the S&P. Well, the S&P is off less than half a percent. It um, might look a little different as we come into the close, uh, but the NASDAQ off the best part of 1%. So when you've got, um, then we've got Alphabet after the uh, New York close, so that'll be coming out around the time that uh, you'll be recording tomorrow. But uh, say Meta and Amazon and um, Apple both uh, later in the week, so it's a big, big week for uh, for earnings, and I think the yeah. you know the forward guidance that we get for Q three there is going to be uh, is going to be really, really important. Um, so you know while that's the case, I think it's it's not too surprising that uh, equity markets aren't trading with it with a great deal of alacrity just at the moment. No. So much to rest on the next couple of days. There's now on, on Meta, I wonder, and this is again, this is me being the cynic. They've announced uh, in the last hour or two that they are going to introduce a new uh, copyright uh, music allowance on Facebook. So just as you can have music on Instagram and TikTok, you can choose set tunes and then the, the publisher of that music gets a, a sort of a cut on the on the plays. They're going to introduce the same thing on Facebook. So Facebook's going to become the new TikTok, in other words, only obviously for much older people. Uh, and, uh, so I just look at that and that's announced something you they're announcing that just a day or two ahead of their results announcement. Is that mm. because the results aren't that mm. great? Uh, you know, their shares are down 50% so far this year. Mm. Is this just trying to claw back something? I don't know. But anyway, possibly. We'll but I, think the, I think the one thing on those to, to denote on those earnings is, you know, what is it saying about the strength or otherwise of advertising revenue? And I say that because I think mm. from a sort of macroeconomic point of view, um, you know, when we do see, for example, you know, scaling back of uh, advertising spend. Um, you know, by companies, it, it is a little bit of a, a lead indicator, I think, of uh, of potentially yeah. broader economic malaise. I think that is uh, so. Maybe, as you suggest, they're trying to come up with some uh, obfuscation from uh, you know that yeah. the real message is was that uh, the primary source of their revenue is under is under pressure here. Right. Well, look, we can probably finish early today because there's not a lot happening today is that we get, uh, you know, all the stuff that we talked about is later on in the week with the conference board's consumer confidence survey for July is out later on and new home sales in in the US. 
that's just about it, isn't it, really, over the next 24 hours? No, it is. I think we are spinning wheels. And obviously, uh, you know, the, the Fed and those earnings, I think, are, are looming mm. large, to, as well as, uh, you know, the GDP numbers and a few other things. And obviously, um, tomorrow, it'll be um, Aussie CPI Day. So yes. we can't wait for that. Yeah. A much more exciting podcast tomorrow morning, believe me. <laughs> Not that it wasn't exciting today, but always <laughs> exciting to have you on, Ray. Uh, just a little bit more exciting tomorrow. That's all. Uh, uh, good to talk to you. Back. I'll, I'll catch be back you again soon. Uh, you're back later in the week, Bye-bye. of course. Yeah. See you then. Cheers. Thanks, Ben. And that's Tuesday on The Morning Call. From NAB, I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.